What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Av Geek Chronicles podcast. I am your host, Colin, the Chief Av Geek, Aviation Maniac, or whatever you want to call me. I hope everyone's having a great week, and I'm so happy to bring everyone another another episode here on the podcast. And guys, today's episode, I'm going to be doing things a little bit different, and this is going to be a little bit shorter, so it's kind of be uh, going to be nice taking. Just a little break from the Ask the Ab Geek show, uh, and today I'm going to add a little bit of commentary. So I'm going to bring you guys an article that I actually came across uh, in the most recent edition of the Flight Training Magazine that's put out by AOPA. This is a really good organization. I'm a part of it. Um, I'm very fresh to the organization, but I feel uh, it's really, really good in the stuff that they put out. Um it's really good for young pilots. Uh, there's a lot of good information, uh, and they try to educate uh, all the pilots out there on all the happenings, uh, safety, training, uh, anything that you can think of in regards to training uh, or flying safe around the United States and cool happenings. AOPA has probably uh, got what you need. Um, and I really, really enjoyed this article. I've been reading this magazine since I uh, had my student uh, membership, and, and this has been coming in the mail. So when I actually finished my PPL, I had the opportunity to move out of that magazine. But for some reason, even though I'm not really a magazine person, I decided to stick with it. Uh, I don't know what it was about, the magazine. I think it was really cool, all the tips and tricks and other things that they would talk about. Um, and again, I don't really read magazines, but for some reason, I was really stuck to this one. Um, and I really enjoyed this article and believe that this article, this opinion piece that was written by one of the editors, it was really, really spot on when it comes to utilizing a fresh new private pilot certificate. So this article and the opinion that he puts out is not just useful for people like me who have a license now, but this is also true for people still thinking about getting into aviation, maybe wanting to become a pilot because people that are, you know, becoming a pilot may think, well, what do I actually do with a private pilot's license? Like, what, what can I do? Like, what are the skills? Where can I go? And these are the questions that they want to ask. And so this opinion that he put out uh, was really, really good. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of deep dive uh, into what he said. And I love it so much that I actually want to share the article personally with you if you don't get this magazine. It's a very, very short, uh, short article and a quick read. And, uh, and then at the end, I'll add my two cents uh, to it, uh, like I said at the end. So I think you all are really going to like this piece. And after it, I really think everyone's going to agree um, on what's being said. And everybody's going to, you know, yeah, that was that was me when I was younger. Or, you know what, that's what I was thinking. I think that answers my question on what I can do with a PPL. I hope this helps both people going through the process or pre-process and folks for after the process. Or maybe they have one and they're, they've are they been out of aviation for a while and they're trying to get back into it. Like, why should I get back into it? Uh, this opinion was uh, really, really good. So the article's name is Mind Over Matter, and it's written by Ian, and I'm probably going to butcher his last name because I don't know him personally, but I'm going to say it. It's Ian Twombly, I think it is, and he's an editor for AOPA. And this article can simply be summed up um, by saying that flying's biggest challenge, it's not weather, it's not the airplane, it's not scheduling, and it's not even money. It's legitimately the pilots. It's us. It's us personally. That's, you know, that's the biggest challenge. It's our head um, and, you know, putting ourselves in situations. So I really think this is going to be a good piece, and I'm really excited to uh, to bring this to everyone. Um, so here's the article uh, in full in the eyes and opinion of Ian from AOPA. So bear with me uh, as I read through this. Uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm not always the best reader. 
but uh, I may have to stop or or whatnot. But uh, let's get to it. So uh, in this piece, uh, we'll start right at the top. So after you struggled to master 50 stalls, 100 landings, and turns around the same red barn, you're probably cursing poor hand-eye coordination for your struggles. Given the good coordination is needed to put the airplane where you want it to be, that makes sense. But it's our attitude, our fears, and our mindset that determine how well we fly and what we do with our certificate. Moving a yoke or stick to maneuver the machine is a matter of practice. Everything else is experience and mindset. You know, guys, it's like what's in our head. This is the reason most of us are completely ill-prepared to face the real world of aviation when we earn a private pilot certificate. Flight training is great for teaching skills, but it's terrible for making pilots. I could agree with that. Thankfully, my own instructor, you know, he put me in a lot of different situations that maybe the average person wouldn't be put into if they were going through a commercial operation. We spend so much time working on core skills and so little time on decision-making, creating real-world experience and combating challenges that we are forced to learn these things on our own soon after we earn the certificate. This is so true. I mean, just right off the top, all this stuff, true. In this month's feature of continuing education, author Bud Davison makes this excellent suggestion to invest around 10 hours of training soon after you're getting your uh, your ticket in order to gain the confidence to have to go out on your own. Davison focused mostly on skills. He suggests drilling on crosswinds, emergencies, for example. These are all great ways to invest in your education. But I would add another equally important goal. Go somewhere. And this is going to really help, guys, with your, your personal your personal goals and really, you know, where you want to go, um, you know, in your certificate and gaining that experience. You know, and Ian is saying here, I learned to fly with the benefit of youthful ignorance. Going a few hundred miles to see a friend, get lunch or visit family came with a sense of adventure, not challenge. Later, I made a long journey in a Piper Cub and flew over uh, water in dense forests without a second thought. I mean, he just did it. He went for it. Know that any of these trips presented a risk of getting lost. They all did. Having to ditch or getting into survival scenarios in a 500,000 acre national forest really didn't enter into the calculation. These were places to go and he was going. Add on kids, a mortgage, a good job, and people who really rely on you and all of a sudden you have more to lose. That 300 mile trip in a 70 year old airplane without the benefit of weather information suddenly becomes something to worry about. It's going to get in your head. That's what he's saying. That struggle between boldly jumping out and cautiously tiptoeing forward is partly what defines who we are as pilots and what we do with our certificates. If you ever, you know, or never push out of your comfort zone, you're going to miss the wonderful opportunities to see the world as few can. There's not that many pilots out there. Less than 1% of the population of the U.S. is a pilot. There's very few people that get to experience that, you know, the things that we can But if you apply a youthful ignorance to everything you do in aviation, you're going to risk hurting yourself and those you love. The balance between these two isn't always obvious. Even though those butterflies in your stomach can lie, sometimes they'll show up much too early and dissuade you from a trip that would really be easy and safe, one that you could do. But instead, the stomach, you know, your stomach, these little bugs in you, they're telling you, nah, nah, you can't go, can't go, when it's actually probably a really good opportunity and it could build your confidence and there's not too much risk. But on the flip side, the opposite of this is true as well. So 
Ian says in ending uh, this really, really good piece, he says, the best way to negotiate this difficult dance and build confidence is to explore. Go beyond the airport, beyond 50 miles, and occasionally beyond your comfort zone. Apply these skills you learn in training to build confidence you'll need as a pilot. This was, I mean, just all that. It was a really, really short read. Um, but it really gives the inside look into, okay, I got my certificate. Now what? But for me personally, I couldn't agree more uh, with this opinion piece from Flight Training Magazine uh, and the editor. You know, I can attest that when I got my license, I was like, great, well, what's next? You know, what am I going to do with this? But then it dawned on me that I needed to get out there and start doing things. And that's exactly what I personally wanted to do. I wanted to go places. I wanted to experience new things. I wanted to go now learn on my own. So what did I do? Well, I went out and did some cross countries, of course. The first cross country and the first example of, you know, me applying to everything that he's saying in this piece is I actually did a cross country with a hockey player who I happened to have coached uh, just about a year and a half prior uh, while he was a senior in high school here in Dallas. Funny enough, he's a currently he's currently a sophomore uh, at Purdue working on his professional pilot degree up there. And it was about halfway through the season that he actually told me is that that's what he was going to do. And it's crazy because I had a love for aviation before I actually had, you know, go, went out and got the pilot. I was working at Bell at the time and we would talk all about it, but I never really put two and two together why he was always bringing up aviation. Um, but I was so supportive of him going to do what he wanted to do in aviation. And it was very rare to kind of see somebody in the hockey world want to do that. So I thought it was really, really cool. And I was super supportive of him. And so he came back, um, this summer and he had his private pilot's license because he was just finishing his freshman year at Purdue. Uh, but he finished it right before he came home. Uh, and we were super stoked cause I was finishing mine and I said, we were going to fly together. We promised each other that we would get up in the air together at least once during the summer, uh, before he went back to school. So that's exactly what we did. We planned a cross country flight for dinner. Uh, from Addison in Dallas to Gainesville, which is on the Texas-Oklahoma border. Uh, we ended up flying a 172G1000 that he had been renting out of Addison to build some time while uh, he was home for the summer. That's what he's been learning on up at Purdue, and so that's what he wanted to continue learning on down here. Compared to me, I started on a 172G1000, got about 10 hours, and then went to an analog. We also took my wife, and that was quite comical because if you knew my wife, and the player I coach, you'd laugh that she would get into an airplane with both him and I. And I say that jokingly. We're not doing anything dumb, but she just knows the kid's personality. So, you know, I say that really, really jokingly, and it's really funny. But it was a great flight because, uh, because of a few things. It was a great introduction into dual flying without an instructor. Both of us were licensed pilots, but I had never experienced really flying uh, with someone my age and making decisions between the two of us because we were, you know, we were taking turns uh, doing the navigation and whatnot. We flew in and out of two airports and neither of those airports I had experience with. I didn't have experience with Addison and I didn't have experience with Gainesville. And I gained some more experience in a G1000 aircraft that I previously only had, like I said, about 10 hours logged in. 
And to top it off, I also gained some fresh experience flying from the right seat, which I had never done before. And let me tell you, if you haven't done that ever and you're a pilot, you should try it. It's quite challenging. If you make your way through your ratings, you're going to need that right seat experience. So even though it was terrible and I I literally felt like someone who didn't know how to fly because it was the right seat, um, it was a good challenge. It was really, really good. And it was hard, um, but it was a good learning experience. And I guess if you want to top it off even more and something that kind of scared my own wife because uh, she, you know, even the littlest bump freaks her out. But it was super, super windy that day. I mean, so windy when we were coming back to Addison that we almost had to divert because the the crosswind component um, of the 172 wasn't going to allow us to uh, fly into Addison. But luckily, by a by a sliver margin, uh, we were able to land very, very safely in the flight Um it was uh, it was very challenging, but a very good flight. And that's, again, one of those things, you know, I had no experience flying with them, no experience going to any of the places or the aircraft that I was flying in. But I took the challenge uh, and it was really good. And I learned a lot. So the second experience that I want to talk about that's really taking everything that Ian said in this article and applying it, um, it was a really good experience uh, because my father in law was coming in town and he wanted to fly uh, and he really wanted to fly with me to get some barbecue. He's in Texas. He goes, let's go get some barbecue that's not in the area. So I had never flown with him before, but this was super exciting to have yet again another chance to fly with somebody who I had zero experience with. Now, this is my father-in-law. So as a new pilot, there were there was a tiny bit of nerves there because, as you know, you don't want to make any mistakes on the first time you take your father-in-law flying. Everybody should know this who's married. But I decided to plan another cross-country flight. Uh, And this time we went from Fort Worth Meacham to Gainesville. So like last time was in Addison from Dallas to Gainesville. Now I'm flying out of Fort Worth Meacham to Gainesville. So again, I had zero, uh, I had experience going to Gainesville and I knew kind of the lay of the land, but I didn't have any experience on that route. Uh, but my father-in-law, he was a big barbecue lover and I knew a play exactly a place that he would really, really like. So I planned the flight to Gainesville. And let me premise this by saying that this was a midday flight in July. It was so stinking hot. We were both sweating as soon as we we're walking out to the aircraft. So knowing him, he's, I see he's sweating, you know, we had bottles of water, uh, but I was looking to get in the air as quick as possible so we could get some air flowing, flowing through the cabin. But I had never flown um, or planned this route before, uh, so it was going to be another challenge for me. And this is was this was because a you had to steer clear of the Bravo airspace um, that is DFW uh, Class B airspace, and if you wanted to go direct to Gainesville, you'd have to go through about two Class D airspaces. So as a challenge, I chose to take the direct path and go through the airspaces. But like any good aviator would, I did go through with permission. But this was a really, really good challenge in that, uh, you know, I got to go through and communicate with both those towers and uh, both those towers I really have little to no experience with. Um, And if you want to throw another challenge in there, both runways in Gainesville had a crosswind factor to it. But thankfully, my instructor worked me pretty much to death on crosswinds and training, and we got a lot of good experience doing it. So I was up for it. I was up for the challenge. And overall, guys, the whole trip was a fun time to spend with my father-in-law. And, you know, thankfully, my father-in-law had nothing but positive things to say about the trip. Um, So it was a good flight. I learned a lot. It was a great experience. And I put myself and I went somewhere 
um, that I had a little bit of experience with, but it was a new route that I did not have experience with. So in the end, you know, I guess I didn't scare him away um, with it. And I hope when he comes back or I go to San Diego, we have the opportunity to fly again soon. And if I have the chance to fly in San Diego with him, I know exactly where I'm going and we're going to go to Catalina Island because that is a dream of mine to fly there uh, and land at that airport. So, you know, all in all, I always enjoy new challenges and routes. And I know I got a few coming up potentially that I'm super stoked about uh, one with my wife. I hope that happens and the Texas weather doesn't get in the way because all it wants to do lately is rain. And I'm tired of the rain, um, the rain, the clouds. It's, it's nasty and it needs to go away. Um, so I'm really looking forward to going new places uh, and challenging myself in very, very smart ways um, with this license that I have now. But in conclusion, if you're a fresh new pilot or you're somebody looking to maybe be getting your pilot's license, make sure you get out and continue working on your skills and introduce yourself to new challenges while you're flying. As Ian said, the best way to negotiate this difficult dance and build confidence is to explore. Go beyond the airport, beyond 50 miles, and occasionally beyond your own comfort zone. Guys, make sure you're getting out and applying these skills and training that you learn to build your confidence in the air. Confidence is one of the major pillars of becoming a good pilot and building confidence in the air. And I guarantee, because this has happened for me, not only will this confidence in the air, it'll help you in the air, but it will translate to having confidence in other areas of your life. You know, once you start building confidence somewhere else, it's going to help you build confidence, uh, confidence in other locations. You know, flying is such a big mental game. So help yourself and put your mind over the matter. And that's as simple. I mean, the mental game of aviation, it's quite stunning. And if you can help yourself get mentally prepared, not only just for training, but maybe for your flights, uh, long cross countries, new destinations. If you can get yourself mentally prepared and you're confident that you know you're going to do everything that you need to do to fly safely, it's just going to keep building and building and building your confidence. You know, you can talk to people 50 maybe even 60 years into the aviation world, you know, and being pilots that the only way they learned was by doing. And that's just like anything in life. The only way you're going to build confidence in anything is by doing. So like Ian said, guys, put your mind over matter. So thanks for listening, everybody, to today's episode. And I hope you appreciated the commentary that I had to add to Ian's article. It was the first time I've ever really done this on the podcast, and I think it's interesting. Uh, and I feel like I had a very, you know, overall appreciation for the article written uh, by Ian for Flight Training Magazine. So I just wanted to share the commentary with you. But if you don't have a copy already, I hate reading magazines, but for some reason, like I said, I read this one every time a new issue comes out. So get yourself a copy uh, and become a member of AOPA. So there you go, AOPA. I just threw a little a little uh, chime in for you guys. And don't forget, guys, to continue this discussion over on social media. I want to interact with you, and I want to connect with you guys. So you can find me over on Instagram and Twitter at Hodge underscore C-H-E. Again, that's H-O-D-G-E underscore C-H-E. Again, that's at Hodge underscore C-H-E. I can't wait to meet you guys over there and hopefully continue discussion. So feel free to let me know what you think. Add some of your own commentary or just let me know what you think of the podcast. You know, ideas you're going to bring 
are only going to help make the Abgeek Chronicles podcast an ever-growing podcast. So everybody, thank you again for tuning in this week, and we will see you next week as we release another episode of the Ab Geek Chronicles podcast. See ya.